1: 50-plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. He's the world champion. This is A's baseball. This is Green and Gold History.
0: Welcome to Green and Gold History here on A's Cast. Our next guest has been running the Coliseum for many, many years. He's been employed by the A's since 1981 when he was a teenager. A lot of you A's fans know him. He is great. He is such a special guy. Here is David Renetti. When you want to talk about an absolute legend with the Oakland Athletics, our next guest, Dave Renetti, he has been since what, 1981 you've been around?
2: 1981, 16-year-old, junior in high school.
0: Mike, what's that, 30, 37, 38 years with the A's?
2: This is my 40th season with the A's, actually.
0: 40th, my God. That is unbelievable. You've never had a resume.
2: <laughs> well, I've. I have one, but I haven't updated it in a little bit, so.
0: <laughs> well, of course, uh, you run the stadium and the job you do is second to none because uh, running the Oakland Coliseum is a lot different than running most facilities, wouldn't you say?
2: I would say so, absolutely.
0: You know, we look back at the 1989 team and we're going to start celebrate, celebrating them. We're going to do the uh, ALCS against the Blue Jays. And then the sweep uh, against the Giants, which obviously is one of the one of the most uh, bizarre World Series of all time because of the earthquake. But when you look back at that 1989 team, I mean the greatness, the players, how good they were. What was that like being around that team?
2: Well, at that time, so so I was at that time I was 25 years old, and it it, it was like you know I started to really um, kind of recognize players as being almost my same age for the most part so it was it was neat to see these guys but they were all professional every one of them there was I mean every single guy on that team was a was a pro and they just went around just did their business and they were they were great players and I mean no nonsense just played ball and they were they were great and uh and they were big too I mean I just remember you know I think I walked down the field one time and there was like You know, you saw McGuire and Conseco and Dave Parker and I mean Dave Stewart. Everyone was just huge. It seemed to me. And uh, but what a what a great cast of characters back then. What a great team.
0: You're so right. I mean, it's it's almost like they look they looked like a bunch of defensive ends in, in the NFL. I mean, these guys were monsters.
2: Yeah, they were they were big guys. I mean, I just that was one thing that I remember them being big guys.
0: And the fact that they lose the world series in 88 to the Dodgers. They go to spring training and it was definitely a situation where they're like, we're not losing the confidence that they had in that 89 team. They knew they were winning the world series.
2: They did. And, and spring, I remember spring training, uh, that year, they didn't want to lose spring training games at that time. They wanted, uh, there were some crazy games in spring training where we'd be losing like by you know, by eight runs, going into the bottom of the ninth, and we score ten, or you know, to win it, because they did not want to lose, and they wanted to start right away and prove that they were, you know, the team that could win it all.
0: Yeah, that, and, and and the story goes, they scheduled the Giants for a bunch of games and didn't lose one game to the Giants in spring training.
2: No, and and one of those games, if I remember correctly, was when we were we were down by, you know, that huge deficit, we came back and beat them in the, in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, so, yeah, they, they won every one of those games.
0: What was it like being around Tony La Russa back then?
2: Well, Tony was, you know, he was new in 86, and um, he was just, he was a new, you know, he was the first manager that really had, I mean, I, I started when Billy Martin was there, but I only, I was such a, I was, you know, I didn't have a lot of exposure to him. But Tony really had a plan when he came in there and he he tried to mix things up and he tried things that we never saw before and and just real professional and you know analytic and just uh you know he uh, loved his players and they loved him and uh, it was a new direction but he was I mean he was he was great and actually I talked to him constantly uh, to this
0: day so like with your job how much do I don't know, a manager, Billy Bean, David Forrest, players. How many times do they, they like say, Hey, can you do this? Change this. Do you get a lot of requests? Um, I don't get a lot
2: of requests, but I get my fair share of requests over the course of the season. I mean, I try to, you know, I'm working with all departments and baseball office is obviously an extremely important department for me and for our company. So when they need stuff, I get it, I get it taken care of. So, um, you know, Bob Melvin doesn't ask for a lot of things, but um, if he does need something, I do my best to, to take care of it. And on the baseball side, I'm uh, like David Forrest and Billy. I mean, you know, whatever they need, I make sure that I do what, do what I can to take care of them. I mean, I'm working with them a lot right now just to try and get everything set for uh, if we, you know, if and when we come back to play. So it's just there's a lot of coordination there, but, but uh, we have to, we have to work together.
0: I tell you, the crazy thing is, is, you know, when I've walked over from Oracle uh, over to the field and the dirt's there for the monster trucks and then the motocross, I mean, it, it's crazy how the stadium just completely changed. There's no grass. Forget football. Forget baseball. I mean, w- when you go into that mode, what is that like when you got to get all the grass up and you got to bring all that dirt back in?
2: Well, fortunately, I personally don't have to do it, but I rely heavily on our ground crew and i have I rely heavily on the all the workers that are at the facility to get the place uh, ready for these events i mean it's it's crazy I mean we're not gonna have football anymore, but when we have the football conversion, it's just the number of people that took to do so much work in such a short amount of time um and then uh you know and then our ground keepers you know they're all highly involved in what's going on and it's a process, but they, but they, you know, they know what to do and they know how to do it right. And it's done. It's done right every, every year. So now without football, um, you know, we still potentially would have these dirt shows um, in January, uh, February, but we're going to definitely see the baseball field on there a lot longer than we would normally.
0: And you keep the dirt out in the parking lot, right? there is some dirt that
2: is that is out in the parking lot that's used for the uh for the dirt shows um but they do bring in a bunch outside of that as well
0: uh, that, and I gotta tell you you know when you do post game shows you know whether it's for the A's or the Raiders I've seen it done both ways I've seen the setup for football and I've seen the take away football and it's just it's it's like Whoever figured this out, you're like, how the hell did you come up with this plan?
2: <laughs> you know, the, it, it evolved over time. I mean, when we first did it, um, you know, no one really knew what to expect. And we definitely had a lot of challenges for sure. Um, because, you know, we didn't know how everything would work. And I do remember um, after the first year, the next, the next year when they put in the stands a bunch of the uh, metal for the uh, portable stands was missing. And they had to, they had to hire uh, a metal company right away to come and fill in all the spots that were, were missing. So, uh, but, but it didn't take that long to get everything um, you know, the system set up and, and once they got that set up and everyone knew what to do and there was, there was no real issues after that.
0: You know, another thing that you were involved in, which is really fascinating is the making of Moneyball and it, it would be like day games, the, 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 the crowd would be gone, players would be gone, and the next thing you know, they would have to recreate 2002. So next thing you know, the scoreboard's got to be different because you got Montreal, uh, the, the outfield wall had to be different because it's not Comcast Sportsnet, it, it's, it's Fox Sports you you were a part of all of that and the filming of Moneyball. What was that like for you in your career?
2: Well, it's something that I would never forget. It was something I mean it was a, it was a ton of work, but it was something that it was like one of the highlights of my career cuz uh they came out here for 11 straight days and but but I was involved early on to set up all the uh with with their production crews to set up the timing for everything. And, you know, I I remember that this was real when there was a, we had a holiday early in January and I was at home and Billy called me up and said, Hey, uh, can you come down to the ballpark today? Uh, Brad Pitt and uh, Bennett Miller want to come down and take a look at the facility. And I'm all, yeah, I could probably do that. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I got to meet them then. And then they came back for a couple more um, uh, surveys and like I'm driving around the golf. In a golf cart with brad Pitt at the coliseum um and it was just like is this really happening so and it did and it was uh it was a ton of work and um their production crews were incredible yes they had to come in we had we had most of the stuff was uh started when the team was away uh but when they came back we had the team in town and we had to do um uh filming at night after day games and yes they had to come in there with their crews and change out the outfield pads and change lighting around and bring all the props on the field. And it was just incredible. Um, And, uh, and the movie turned out great too. So um, it was just really great to be a part of.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I would be doing the post game show and that was back. uh, God, we were on what, I think eight sixty, And I would do like two, three hour post game shows. And I would, as I'm taking calls, I'm watching them change the stadium. I'm watching all the cameras come out. I'm like, this is really fascinating to watch them film and they had the players come out and, you know, Brad Pitt's on the field and you're like going, I can't believe I'm watching. What, what, what was he like?
2: Uh, he was incredible. I mean, he was just, it, it was as down to earth as you can, as you can be. Um, he just felt real comfortable there, you know, was away from like Hollywood and everything. So he was just in Oakland, California. And uh, I remember them, uh, their, their crews, their security crew, saying, Hey, we got a, watch out and make sure the paparazzi doesn't come and that people are, uh, you know, uh, camping out up on the Bart ramp. And I said, I said, dude, we're in Oakland. This isn't, isn't going to happen. And it didn't. So, uh, <laughs> he just felt really, really comfortable there. So it was, it was, it was a great time.
0: Yeah. This is the Oakland Coliseum. That's not going to fly around here. Yeah,
2: I just said, they're not going to come out. And, uh, <laughs> and I, and I remember one time, uh, uh, Angelina was there and she needed to, uh, to get out of the stadium and a secure path. And once again, I said, it's not going to be a problem, but I, I arranged for her to get out in a secret path and no one was paying attention. It was uh, like I said, it was open. So it was, it was all good.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I think about that 1989 team, uh, they were rock stars too. I mean, that was like a different, you know, compared to what we see now, I mean, you, they they were, Jose Canseco was as big a star as possible. There could be in the game. I mean, you had Ricky Henderson and Mark McGuire. I mean, that 89 team, they were like rock stars.
2: They were, and, and I know, you know, I wasn't someone who went on the road with the team, but I know the guys from, like, PR department that would go on the road trips and, and just be the people that were waiting at the hotels for them uh, before and after games. I mean, it was to a level well beyond anything we were ever accustomed to.
0: Yeah. You think about that now with the A's you go, Hey, even though the A's, Hey, ball clubs won 97 games, two straight years. They've been very good, but you can't even think about that where you go to a hotel and there's hundreds of people waiting for the A's to show up at a hotel. It's just like, you can't even fathom that.
2: I would compare it to some extent to what the Warriors went through over the, you know, over their run um, with the fan enthusiasm for the team. I would compare it to that.
0: You know, speaking of the Warriors, what has it been like? I mean, obviously they're gone now and the Raiders are gone, but what was that like for you when you would have a dual event, like A's and the Warriors playing at the same time or A's and there's a concert. What what were the challenges?
2: There's just, there's a lot of challenges, but we once again became accustomed to it. So, we worked through it and we knew that there would be some, some, you know, there, we knew there would be issues, the, the parking is always a big challenge because, you know, we, you know, sometimes the events are at different times. So we have to hold up part of the parking lot for their event um, and uh, hold a big chunk of it. And then, you know, the staff is, uh, the staff is shared in a lot of areas. So it's sometimes difficult getting the amount of staff you need for the events. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just stuff that we've, we've became accustomed to and we work together. I will tell you that the Boyers folks that I dealt with were great. And we, I was in their meetings, especially during their post-season runs. And I was in all their meetings just to make sure we were all on the same page and we worked together. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's different. I mean, we, we don't have either one of them anymore. So it's, it's, uh, you know, I was actually looking forward to a season with, without that many dual events, and, uh, and then here we are. Um, so hopefully we start up soon.
0: You know, when you think about the Coliseum and the changes that the A's have made to the Coliseum, uh, are, are, are we expecting more? I mean, it's, it's all for the good. It's all for uh, fans to have a better experience. Are we going to see more changes to the Coliseum now that the Raiders are gone?
2: I think that every year we're looking at new ways to um, to improve the coliseum and the experience for our fans, and to try and to test things out that we would potentially take with us to another ball to our new ballpark. So I would say yes, we will continue to look at things. I mean, we did a ton over the past few years, so we're we uh, we're going to probably slow it down a little bit. But uh, I I do think that we will continue to look at ways to enhance the uh, experience for our fans.
0: Well, not only did you make some changes, but your crew did it really fast. I mean, it, I, I remember walking over from a Warriors game. We're about to do the Bay Bridge series. You put my treehouse together. It wasn't even done yet, and the way you put that tree, you put the treehouse together so fast, it was incredible.
2: It was. Um, th- those were some challenging times, uh, because um, well, on on the on the treehouse year. I was, I just had my first baby girl. And uh, so I was out for part of that time. And I had to rely on, on my staff and my uh, contractors to get it done. And I just thought that this is going to be impossible to get done and they got it done. And then the next year we were in Japan, as you remember. And I remember when I left for Japan, there was still a ton of work to be done. And, um, and I, I, I'm sure I had the conversation with you saying, I hope this stuff's done when we get back. And lo and behold, they worked their tail off and they got it done. So, uh, yeah, we we pulled some things out of a hat. We made it happen. But it's because we have the right people to do it.
0: You literally were on the bus with me in Japan texting people. They weren't up yet. So you were texting them. You know, it's like we're in the future, like we're ahead of everybody. (laughs) And I remember you texting; it was hilarious. Going, uh, you were trying—I mean, you literally were trying to get everything done, and you're you're across the Pacific.
2: (laughs) Yep, and they did it too. So, you know, I snuck in a few Facetimes there too to take a look, and they had some meetings that I think I probably stayed up super late to to be on Facetime just to kind of oversee what was going on. So, you know. Technology—that's
0: what it's all about. And you'd had a—you you had a little sake in you too. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> all right, buddy, I, I miss you. I, I wish we could see you at the stadium. I mean, uh, it's just odd times, but uh, we're, we're getting through this, and hopefully, we're going to have baseball, and hopefully, we'll see you soon.
2: I look forward to seeing you as well, my friend. It's been a long time, and uh, um, I'm optimistic. So we'll see where it takes us.
0: Think about that. Your entire career, since you're a teenager, you've worked for the Oakland Athletics. What a what a special guy. Dave Rennetti is truly an A's legend. Thank you for listening to Green and Gold History. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.